calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello there. I'm Lauren Foster. Welcome to the Take 15 podcast, the show where we bring you short conversations with some of the top minds in the world. Today, for our second Take 15 on the go recorded from home, we're exploring a fascinating topic. How meditation can help reduce stress. We're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and lots of people are, understandably, feeling anxious. My guest today is Jason Voss, a lifelong meditator who spent the last 20 years researching meditation and its benefits. Jason is a CFA charter holder and a partnering consultant at Focus Consulting Group. He's also a prolific writer. He's the author of The Intuitive Investor and the CFA Institute Meditation Guide for Investment Professionals. He's also the co-author of Return of the Active Manager and over the course of his career has written more than a thousand articles on subjects ranging from investing to meditation. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Just a quick note before we get on with the show. You'll want to stick around till the end. Jason leads listeners through a short guided meditation. Jason Voss, welcome. I'm especially pleased to have Jason on the show today. Uh, Many listeners will recognize Jason's name and voice. He's a former colleague who has hosted many episodes of the Take 15 podcast. It's uh, great to be chatting with you today, Jason. Oh, thanks very much. It's nice to be on the other side and uh, be interviewed by CFA Institute's best interviewer, in my opinion. (laughs) So as I was getting ready for our conversation today, I googled meditation and coronavirus. So any guesses on how many results that generated? I I have no basis for judging that. I, I'm not even going to put forth a guess. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, more than 90 million. So, Holy um, cow. Yes. So I'll quickly share some of those headlines. How to strengthen your immunity during the coronavirus ep- uh, pandemic. Exercise, meditation, sleep, and stress management. Another one. Seven meditation and mindfulness apps with free tools for coronavirus anxiety. And lastly, meditation tips for the coronavirus crisis. So it certainly feels that we're having a very timely conversation. Lots of people are anxious and looking for ways to relieve that stress. So let's get on with our conversation on why meditation has never been more important. So many in our audience may not be familiar with meditation. And I wonder if you would briefly outline for us what meditation is. Yeah, sure. And thanks for the question. And for starting with the basics. I think it's one of those things that people talk about frequently without having ever sort of discussed what is it we're talking about when we talk about meditation. And there seems to be, a, in my experience, a confusion between two uh, differing understandings. One is about meditative states of consciousness, and the other is meditation as a practice. And for example, science says that every single human being hits meditative states of consciousness every single day. Said another way, we're all meditators 
though we don't necessarily know when we're hitting those states of consciousness. And by the way, that's measured by brain waves. Um, and if you look at your life and a lot of the wonderful insights you have as a human being, uh, flashes of insight, for example, eureka moments, they tend to happen when those meditative states are being struck. So that's one version of meditation. I would say meditation is really the practice though and the intention of engaging in activities or an activity that actually is more likely to put you in those states of consciousness. And because of those benefits, because they're, they're large and most people, um, when they look at the most meaningful moments of their lives, they've hit that note or you know, they've rung the meditative state bell. So that's really what meditation is, practices to get there, if you will. So even though there's been, a, I would say, an explosion of interest in meditation over the past few years, I, I would think it's fair to say that investment professionals aren't exactly known for embracing meditation, uh, but they are known for their love of data. And Jason, I know that you're a science geek, you're a data geek, so for the skeptics out there, could you highlight some of the key findings uh, on the research on the benefits of meditation? So what does the science say? Yeah, and I'll, I'm actually going to go half a step back on your question. Um, you may remember uh, when I was your colleague, we actually asked CFA Institute's members about meditation back in 2013 in the annual member survey, and we were surprised to find that one in six, seven years ago, already were meditators, or I'm sorry, 2015 is when that member survey was, but five years ago, one in six were already meditators, so that's one piece of data. Not only that, but 54% uh, globally wanted CFA Institute to develop a meditation something, response, right, some sort of offering. Um, and a lot of the data I'm about to quote can be referenced in the Meditation Guide for Investment Professionals, uh, which CFA Institute sponsored and I was the, the lead researcher on. Uh, rather than quoting science, which can be a little bit dull, I'll just sort of give a high-level overview of some of the benefits. So the first um, is that there are tremendous physical benefits. And you mentioned the Google searches at the top of our conversation and the number of people searching for stress relief. Well, that turns out to be the most researched topic. Uh, meditation has been researched approximately 40,000 times since the 19th century, believe it or not, uh, with an explosion of interest in the last 20 year, 15 or 20 or so years. And stress has been tested well more than half of those studies. And uh, ding, 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 meditation is great for stress, which many people know. Um, many people don't know, though, that another physical benefit is the slowing of the aging process. It turns out Stress is the thing that ages us the most. So on me, it looks like laugh lines and graying hair, thinning hair, damn it. Uh, you know, and uh, because you can reduce your stress with meditation also at a cellular level slows down the aging process, which then has other tangential physical benefits like lowering of heart disease, uh, reduction in diabetes, better sleep. Um, but then meditation has also been measured for its physical benefits in terms of transforming your brain. So... Uh, researchers have actually been able to see that actual regions of your brain increase in size and other regions are diminished in size in the regions you'd want. So if you're a behavioral finance geek, as I know you are and I am, um, Daniel Kahneman says in Thinking Fast and Slow, you want to diminish the effects of system one thinking or the amygdala. Guess what? Meditators actually have smaller amygdala function. And you want increased system two or prefrontal cortex and meditators have an increased prefrontal cortex um, so it can actually measure the size change and then there are other benefits on physical but I'll, I'll shift attention to the second big benefit which is mental benefits so meditators uh, are 
routinely measured as more creative. Um, they are routinely uh, uh, measured to demonstrate better memory retention, uh, or sorry, memory formation, retention, and recall. And not only that, but contextualized recall, meaning that they're remembering uh, the thing that they need to remember in the moment that they need it, which of course for investment professionals is great because you've got this vast body of knowledge and why not have it be useful you know, and timely. Um, then the third major benefit, one that uh, we sort of pioneered back in the day at CFA Institute was featuring the researchers who have demonstrated that meditation and meditators are able to overcome their behavioral biases. And if you read Kahneman, or if you read Thaler, read Daniel Ariely, they say it's really tough to overcome behavioral bias, but in fact, meditators can overcome behavioral bias. And then the last benefit, the least researched, is that the ethical profile of meditators is improved. And I think if you think about the investment professional's job, you want to think as well as possible. You want to make stress-free, unbiased decisions, and you want to be ethical. Well, meditation, because it's free and portable, it's tough to argue against it, like as a beneficial practice that we should at least consider, if not practice. I'd love to just pick up on something you just said about uh, mitigating uh, or sort of overcoming cognitive biases. I know you've written about this and particularly even on, on Enterprising Investor and uh, one of the blog posts that you wrote, you singled out several different biases, loss aversion, representative bias, anchoring bias, confirmation bias, mental accounting bias, overconfidence. Could you maybe pick up on one or two of those and just explain how a meditative practice would help in mitigating that bias? Sure, I'll do one better because I, I think that, and this is material that comes from um, Return to the Active Manager, the book I co-authored, uh, came out last fall. We have a discussion about behavior bias. And it's our opinion, my co-author is Tom Howard, it's our opinion that all the behavioral biases can be boiled down to one problem. And that is the inability to put a pause between stimulus and response. And if you're able to put a pause in there, you can move your decision-making from reaction which, which tends to be instinctual and not carefully considered. And you can move from reaction to response, which tends to be more careful. And because meditation slows down the mental process, as well as increases your ability to witness, up, witness yourself thinking, it's a powerful tool for sticking in that pause between stimulus and response. And by the way, um, I neglected to mention my first answer about science and data. Uh, there, or actually, your first question was, what's meditation? It really is a practice that uh, develops two traits that are really essential for improving your thinking. Uh, and that is top-down control, which is the ability to choose what to think and when to think it, right? Which is, this is all about that, that pause between stimulus and response. The second is metacognition, which is awareness of awareness itself. So if you can choose what to think, when to think it, and you have a self-awareness, well, guess what? As COVID destroys markets and tanks them, or whatever the you know, next big market kerfuffle is, if you have meditation on your side, the chances are that you're gonna be able to insert that pause between stimulus and response and have better thinking involved. And all of those biases, loss aversion, mental accounting, all of them have that quality of, we're responding instinctively and reactively rather than the, the pause. And that, that really is, I think, how meditation really helps folks overcome that. A really important skill to develop, especially now. So one thing I often get wrong is that I conflate meditation with mindfulness. Um, can you explain what the difference is between the two? Sure, of course. And uh, yeah, great question. Um, I would say what is meditation is you know, one of the two most confusing things. The next is that mindfulness is frequently used interchangeably with meditation. 
Uh, and I think it's done because mindfulness and being mindful can be talked about in a safe way. And if, you know, not too long ago, meditation was seen as sort of a quasi-religious subject. And so mindfulness became a euphemism in the meditation community for meditation. But really, uh, mindfulness specifically refers to one of the four major forms of meditation known as open monitoring. And um, we'll, we'll, we can touch on that in just a minute. Um, and if you think, though, about mindfulness, people talk about being mindful. That is analogous to what we said in, uh, at the top of our conversation, which is meditation is, yes, a practice, but it's also a state of consciousness. Well, mindfulness is also a practice as well as a state of consciousness, right? We're either mindful or we are not. But specifically in the scientific literature, they've carved out mindfulness as identical to and analogous to one type of meditation. So said another way, meditation is the broader subject. Mindfulness is a subset of meditation. Aha, got it. Could you explain that open monitoring meditation a little bit more in detail? Sure, you bet. Um, open monitoring meditation, um, and many of the people tuning in today may have in fact, practiced it and not known that what they're doing is an open monitoring meditation. Um, open monitoring, um, the meditation instructor or the app or you yourself, you're asked to rest your consciousness and general awareness and pay attention to your sensory experience. So, for example, I'm here in Florida as you know, I'm talking with you and the air conditioner has cycled through a couple times. So if I'm in a open monitoring meditation or mindfulness meditation, I hear that sound. And then as you, that sensory thing enters our consciousness, we're supposed to observe it, but not fixate on it, not ruminate on it, and then let that thought escape and then return to general awareness. So abstract thoughts also enter our minds, like why am I doing this meditation? You know, um, are my lights too bright? You know, can people see the background behind me? All sorts of crazy thoughts enter our minds. And open mind chain, we just notice, don't judge, let them escape and return to that awareness. So earlier you said there were four sort of main sort of uh, areas of meditation or types of meditation. Could you just briefly walk through the other three and, and the specific benefits of the other three types of meditation? Yeah, you bet. And open monitoring, there are lots of benefits. And by the way, there are overlapping benefits to these. Um, science has actually weighed in on this issue. And uh, of the different benefits, there are about 30 benefits that overlap, but there are over 100 that don't overlap. So my advice is always, learn about all four of the major types and make a, as a part of your practice, each of the four. Um, open monitoring, which I was just speaking about, has been proven to improve your creativity, especially the ability to think really divergent thoughts, think thoughts that people haven't thought of before, as well as metacognition, which I mentioned earlier, that's awareness of awareness itself. So the other three meditation types are focused attention, and focused attention is almost the opposite of open monitoring. Here, we choose one thing, uh, and we focus on that one thing to the exclusion of all other things. And as our mind wanders, which inevitably does, we return our attention to that one thing. So classically, it's our breath. So if you've ever done a meditation where you focus on your breath, that's a focused attention meditation. But other things are a spot on the wall, a white wall, a candle flame. Um, when I'm in New York City and I'll walk down the streets, I look at the don't walk sign, which is flashing on the next block. I'll make sure to focus on the don't walk sign and get in a little moving meditation, if you will. The benefits of focused attention, um, it really trains top-down control. That was the ability to choose to think when to think it. It makes sense if you hear what I'm saying the practice is about. You're redirecting unerringly in a very disciplined fashion your attention to something. Ultimately, you get the ability to do that when you want to. Um, the next major meditation form is uh, visualization. 
I know many people listening are familiar with that from athletics or you and I give a lot of um, speeches and do public presentations and it's common to advise people to visualize that activity before we engage in it. The specific benefits there are wide ranging, um, but they tend to also be about creativity and improving creativity. Um, and then the last major form of meditation is called compassion. Sometimes it's called loving kindness. In our industry, loving kindness doesn't go over too well. There's over like a lead balloon. It <laughs> tend to be a little bit more mercenary in finance. Um, but compassion meditation, um, you first start with your relationship to yourself and you grant yourself unconditional love and um, forgiveness. Then you extend out to uh, loved ones like friends, family, and then to colleagues potentially, and then from colleagues to neighbors, and then your community, and then your state, and then your country. And we haven't seen one form of the meditation we extend that unconditional love and forgiveness to not just the whole universe, right? But someone who is really complete, check. Um, they, they grant that uh, forgiveness and unconditional love to the entire multi multiverse, the universe of universes. Um, and that one, not surprisingly, is really good for developing uh, people's ethical profiles. Interesting. So meditation can be, I think, very daunting for some. Could you share some tips with listeners who are maybe interested in starting? Yeah, you bet. And my, I have an anecdote, which I share with most people. And this is, this is an anecdote born of, uh, you know, the 30 plus countries I've now spoken in about meditation. Um, and because this is a very common question and I'm going to make a comparison to bicycle riding. When we go for a bicycle ride, we do not judge the quality of that bicycle ride based on our ability to go from point A, which is where we start off to our destination point B in a perfect laser beam, unerringly straight way. In fact, we accept as a part of bicycle riding that part of the activity is noticing when we go off course and adjusting the bicycle. Well, meditation is exactly the same thing. Um, many people have tried meditation. They've said, not, not surprisingly, I don't do it very well, so I stopped. But I suck. You know, I'm not good at meditation. But their judgment there, the denominator is perfect unerring focus on the activity. So focused attention would be on your breath. Open monitoring is hanging out in general awareness and not having your mind wander. Um, and my, my advice is don't judge that. Don't make that the denominator. Make the denominator, just as we do in the bicycle ride, hey, we accept the fact that we're going to go off course. And a part of the activity is just enjoying the journey, right? We're mm -hmm. on the bicycle ride to see the scenery, get out in nature. Here we're wanting to explore our minds. So that's the analogy. So that's tip one. Forgive yourself for not doing it perfectly. I've been meditating since I was seven years old, now 43 years. I still have my mind wander all the time, right? That's just part of the deal. Accept it. Other tips, make it a practice, be disciplined about it. Start with five minutes a day. You can handle five minutes, we all can. Right now with COVID uh, affecting so many people, we're all at home. Now's a great time to engage in the practice. One, for the stress relief we talked about, but also lots of time on our hands and you know all those streaming services. We've gone through all the great programs already. We've caught up with work colleagues. We may be working our way through our stack of books that we've shelved for a long time. Five minutes is easy to come up with. Third tip, um, teachers are really, really beneficial for meditation because when you're working with consciousness, consciousness is vast. You're going to have a lot of questions and an experienced teacher can answer a lot of your questions for you. So anyway, I'll pause there. So we're going to try something a little bit different as a closing question. It's not actually going to be a question. Uh, I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind leading listeners through a short guided meditation that they could do wherever they are and whenever they need it. You bet, yeah. And I'm going to choose focused attention, one, uh, because it's uh, really proven to help minds shift through rumination. 
it's the case in events like COVID. I've managed money in two different bear markets, and, and uh, it's only natural to start ruminating on painful thoughts or depressing thoughts or our anxiety. And focused attention is proven for unseating rumination in our consciousness. So I'm going to do a focused attention. So I, with your permission, Lauren, I'm going to go ahead and um, lead the audience in that. We'll just take several minutes to do it. And I'm going to sort of formally do this. So you see me close my eyes. In fact, that's usually the first piece of advice is whatever space you are in, to the degree that you can, you may be listening to this on a subway, you may be in um, your room, um, wherever it is that you find yourself in this, go ahead and close your eyes. And if you don't feel comfortable closing your eyes, that's fine too. It's, it's not a requirement. And just start to get comfortable. Check in with your body and make sure that your posture is not bothering you, that the way you're seated is comfortable. There's nothing that can distract you. That's why meditators spend time on the posture at the beginning of the practice, is they don't want that to be the thing that drops them out of the practice. So go ahead and spend just several moments doing that. If you have your eyes open, you'll see me shifting to sort of my shoulders, rotating them around. And once you have done that, go ahead and begin to focus on your breath. It's a very, very simple thing. Everybody that's living, of course, breathes. And there's a cycle there we're all familiar with, which is an inhale and an exhale and an inhale and an exhale. And it couldn't be simpler, a focused attention meditation. We're going to notice the inhale and the exhale. And when our mind wanders off of that natural cycle, we're to notice, first of all, and then redirect our attention unerringly and in a disciplined fashion back to our breath. And that's it. So again, the inhale and the exhale. The inhale and the exhale. The inhale and the exhale. Just keep doing it. Again, if your mind wanders, don't follow the thought. Just return to the breath in and out. Inhale and exhale. All right, we're actually going to end it in the interest of time. This is a take 15. I bet we've gone a little bit over. But that simple practice is all it takes to restore 
peace of mind um, to begin to get some of those benefits that I've described. Um, and it couldn't be simpler. And it's portable, as we talked about, and free. I love that, Jason. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, be well and take great care out there. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts and it helps others find the show. Also, a quick reminder, this podcast isn't intended to provide expert advice on the topics we covered. If you need tax, accounting, or legal advice, please consult a professional. I'm Lauren Foster. Thanks so much for listening.